the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking money, invested in more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I'm pretty adamant about that. So I try to do my best to give you a platform or a forum to get second opinions. Uh, probably don't get as many phone calls as I'd like, but that's okay. Um, I think that's that's fine. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about uh, money investing and more. What do I do? I get up real early in the morning, uh, typically right around 4, 4.15, sometimes as late as 4.30. Um, I try to do about an hour and a half of prep work at night. I try to do probably about an hour and a half, two hours of prep in the morning just to find the stories that mean the most to try to put together something that's kind of infotaining. Um, that's my hope. So sometimes I try to change it up. Uh, sometimes I try to go boring. I am, I, I am a big fan that men and women are different. And I think that's pretty obvious. I'm a big fan of helping people. I hope you see that. And I try to put those pieces of the puzzle together. And sometimes it works really well and sometimes it doesn't. So a lot of people are real tight-lipped about money, about sex, about their weight. And it, you don't have to pay a lot of money in research to, to know that, right? A lot of people don't have a desire to talk about money because they lack confidence in their knowledge of financial planning and investing. Lack of confidence is, I think, a really self-imposed mistake that people make. Um, Women are better savers. They've demonstrated stronger saving rates than male counterparts. They've enjoyed better long-term investment performance when they did engage in investing. And yet, too many women still hesitate to take control of their finances. This isn't, you know, 1970. This should change. 90% of women will have to manage their finances on their own at some point in their life. Uh, they may leave the workforce to care for a sick or fam- uh, sick family member, become divorced, or find themselves widowed. They may be one of the many young adults who are staying single longer and living on their own for longer than their past generations. It's imperative for women to have a solid understanding about how to manage money and invest in the future. One of the things I'm, I'm a big fan of is learning to your own pace. Um, I see way too many men, sorry men, but you rush into it and you want to buy the stock of the day. <clears throat> Earlier, late last year, one of the big stocks of the year was NVIDIA. And man, is that the little girl with the curl or what? When it goes up, it goes up, up, up. 
Uh, but when it goes down, it's like, watch out below. Now they've got a great future. Graphics processors still growing in speed, unlike you know a lot of the desktop processors. So where can you buy this stock? What's a good level to get in? It's one of those questions that a lot of people kind of rush in and they go, I, I, I bought it at an all-time high. Like, I got a lot of people who I said, don't buy Snap on the first day of the IPO. They did. And then they're going, now what do I do? So learn at your own pace. So you not need some investment basics. Um, I would try to find resources, if you're a woman, on websites like Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade. Do not go to seminars. Women in investing, come to a seminar at this hotel. Um, I bet you're going to get pushed a product in that case. Um, there is a Women's Institute for Secure Retirement. And you can find out information about that by Googling Women's Institute for Secure Retirement. Uh, what's interesting to note, again, about this is a lot of people just they become reticent. 92% of women are eager to learn about financial planning. 47% are confident taking, talking about money, taking financial decisions, and working with a professional. 60% worry about having enough money to last through retirement. 74% are proactive about saving for the future. That's good. 8 out of 10 confess they have refrained from having financial conversations. That's so sad. Um, 8 out of 10 confess they've refrained from having financial conversations. I love looking over people's finances for them and starting that conversation like, oh, so what's your goal? Are you going to retire when? And that starts the conversation. Um, if you ever go to a professional, and again, to see 8 out of 10 people confess they have refrained from having financial consultations means there's not a lot of honesty. And you have to focus, you know, I need one and a half times my salary uh, by the time I'm, you know, in my 30s. And then that number gets bigger. So uh, you have to be pretty honest about it. If you do go to a professional, well, before I go there, as far as being honest about it, I was a little puffy in my 20s. And I wasn't very honest with like my self-image on my body. Um, I've got to know over that. And it's everything in my life changed for the better. More confident lover, more confident, you know, in everything. That's probably not an attractive image for you, but it is what it is. So try to be honest with yourself, and it kind of opens things up. So you want to turn to a professional at some point in time, but you don't want to trust said professional. You want to really listen, 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 listen. And then you want to have them listen to you, someone who can communicate clearly about their fees, about their, their designations, about investment advice. You don't want shaky information, and you really, really want to be able to discuss fees. You want to find a, find a financial friend. So <clears throat> some marriages end because the woman gets an emotional friend. Um, I will be your financial friend. So and uh, I was talking to an ex-football player the other day. He wants to get into real estate. He wants to learn it from pop, top to bottom. I'm like, you help me in the gym a couple days, and... Uh, you just be my muscle friend. You be the guy that everyone goes like, whoa, who's that with Rob Black? This guy's huge. Huge. He's huge. So I said, you be my you be my muscle friend, and I'll be your financial friend. And he's like, deal. 
Um, a lot of times, like when you have a gym buddy, you're able to motivate each other, you're able to work together. If you can find someone you can talk money with, I think that's great. But be careful. Um, you don't want to, you want your friend to have some financial knowledge and not just, like I love old people with gray hair uh, because they have some financial knowledge. They're so cute the way they eat and food falls out of their mouth. They're so cute the way they get Prop 13 and go, I deserve that Prop 13. Um, even though our school systems are failing and it's uh, one of the dumbest, one of the dumbest implementations of a tax penalty I've ever seen. Um, but also feel free to go online if you're a woman. So there's a really good series um, on money by Kathy Murphy. And you just Google LinkedIn influencer series, Kathy Murphy. A lot of women now are writing and becoming financial journalists online. Be careful with that, but know that it's out there. But be careful because a lot of times these people don't have any, any knowledge of other than the last two years. Find me at robloxshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I know a person who spent $7,000 on their cat's medical bills. A cat named Bubbles. Who is a wonderful cat, joyful, fat, uh, followed people around, um, sits with them on couches, um, pretty wonderful cat. In one year, this cat was $3,000 on medicine, vet visits, interventions, because it had a severe colon disease. Um, then there was a $4,000 surgery and a vet stay that you know might give her a shot at normal life, bubbles the cat. Or that surgery would kill her. We in the Bay Area, we earn a good living and we're disciplined savers, we're disciplined investors. But $7,000 for the life of a house cat, where do you draw a line? My parents thought of paying that would have killed them. How much to spend when a pet gets sick is a dilemma. 68% of American households have pets, that's about 85 million homes. That's up from 56% just 30 years ago. Pets are becoming members of the family. Pet spending, food, supplies, services, $67 billion industry. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of ways to invest. Now, because of that, because they're such a part of our lives now, there's this moral dilemma that you're going to have to face. Americans will spend up to $1,000 to save a pet. 15%, 61% 15%, 61% of Americans would uh, spend up to $1,000. 15% will spend up to 3000 and 10% would spend even more. It starts to get kind of crazy, right? And you start getting in your head like, I didn't choose this cat. This cat chose us. Keep in mind the number one claim on your insurance claims in your home, owners of policy, or dog bites. So how much would you spend on a pet? Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton talk a little financial planning. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a certified financial planner with NewFocusFinancial.com. Expenses in retirement significantly impact your retirement cash flow. Some studies studies suggest that retirement expenses may be 60 to 80% of your current expenses. 
I don't know if I trust any of these studies because we all differ like golden clay. Those studies are ridiculous. I don't know if they've ever looked at anybody when they actually retire. From my experience, people spend more money the first five years of retirement than when they were working. Now, every, almost every single time. Is it fair to say that age 60 to 70 in retirement, your expenses, you should probably count on 100% of what you're doing while you're working? Or maybe... It's, it's typically more. Okay, you think it's more. Okay. Because what happens when you retire, and I've, I've said this so many times on the air, I know, but it's still people have to be aware. When you're working, you get your health insurance paid for. Right. When you turn 65, you have to sign up for Medicare. Medicare Part A is free. Medicare Part B costs you over 115 bucks a month, but it's still not enough. So you need supplemental insurance, you need prescription drug coverage, and you need long-term care protection as well on top of those costs. So you have to figure five to $700 a month per person in retirement. You have to figure your expenses for your vacations. And a lot of retired people are now having to help their kids, Rob, because the unemployment rate coming out of college is, is, is a little bit too high. Um, and you should focus on that now, too, if you're you know, 40 years old planning for your kid's college education and they come to you and they want to major in philosophy yep. and you're going to send them to a high college cost for that, you are wasting your money because they're going to just be living on your couch or in your basement again. So, so beware of that. Having a budget is critically important. And let me explain how boring having a budget is. You have housing costs, garden, home repair, home insurance, landscaping, property taxes, rent. Uh, telephone, utilities, waste disposal. You have transportation, bus, gas, insurance, license, parking, repairs, vehicle payment. You've got food and beverages, groceries, beverages, restaurants, personal work, appliances. You got clothing, you got entertainment, you got education, you got gifts that you want to give, medical and dental, obligations like child support, um, postage, life insurance, disability insurance, credit cards. You've got personal care like haircuts. Most people don't think of everything that you have to budget and. In retirement, you got no more. You're not going back to work, so it's critically important that you have a detailed budget that includes pets. We got a dog or cat in retirement, and the dog gets sick. That's a couple thousand dollars sometimes. You, I can't even start an investment portfolio plan for a person unless I know approximately what they're spending, right? Because cash is king, right? All right. So use the stupid term "cash is king" for any portfolio, and when you're younger. Minimum of six months of expenses in your emergency reserves. If you're in like a, the tech industry sales where people jump jobs all the time, yeah. or the healthcare sales industry where every two to three years they're working somewhere else, um, a lot of times we'll have those families have at least a year. But when you're retired, it's key that you have three years worth of expenses. And so I have to figure out how much I have to carve out of the rest of the portfolio to keep in cash outside of management. And then I can go based on how long somebody's going to live, what they need for expenses, and figure out how much they need in stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate. Um, but the expenses, like you know, those long-term projections and a good financial plan. Also, in retirement, you have to ver- have a very good detailed income plan, a spreadsheet that you can look at that says year over year over the next ten years, where is my money going to come from? Which accounts am I going to be drawing from in retirement? Yeah, and I can do that as long as I know what the expenses are, and that's key because you, you want to be comfortable in retirement and knowing where your dollar is going to come from out of which accounts, because people are retiring with Ross, IRAs, 401ks, taxable accounts. And it gets confusing. Which one do I draw from first? And a comfortable retirement is, is one where you're very aware of where the money's going to come from. A couple expenses that may actually decrease in retirement. I've tried to think of them because we're going with a negative on increases, but your taxes probably will go down. If you do it right, yeah. Your um, move to a state that has lower tax bracket, and it will. Or move to a state that has no sales tax, and it will. Um, the mortgage probably paid off. That's an expense that should go down in retirement. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what else would there be? Maybe a reverse mortgage where you could actually start drawing capital from your home and you're actually paying yourself instead of... You see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah. So, you know, if we hit these one at a time, um, the taxes that go down, if you do your income planning right, you can maintain a lower tax bracket in retirement. The problem is that people spend all their cash first and then their taxable accounts and then they hit their IRAs. And at 70 and a half, you're forced to pull a certain money out of your IRA accounts, whether or not you want to. So you, Roth, you can have your Roth go total. Right. Roth, Roths don't have that minimum credit distribution. So people need to make sure that they're pulling, they, they look at their IRAs right from the start and pull enough out to maintain that 15% federal bracket from the beginning. That way they can have a, a low level bracket for their entire lifetime rather than just put off the withdrawals forever. So that's how you have to deal with, with that scenario. Um, other expenses that go down, it's really things like, you know, Dry cleaning because you're not working anymore. Okay, eating out should go down. Um, hopefully, but, hopefully, your children's education costs have gone down. Right, right. Otherwise, you're making babies at way too late of life. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that we need to know about uh, managing your cash flow in retirement? Well, no, it, it, again, it's you know, unfortunately, a lot of people go to a financial advisor. Yep. And if they're not asking you those detailed questions or requiring it as part of a comprehensive financial plan, and then they give you some basic boilerplate plan, and at the end of it says, buy this annuity or this insurance product, you know you're going the wrong direction. There you go. It has to be personalized and tailored. Yep. And they have to actually get to know you. Because like, if you have a special needs kid, I mean, there's just so many curveballs that could come up, and you don't want to see that, that. Anyway, you get the idea. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Talking a little real estate today because Tony Minday from the Bay Area. What? what, what Bay did, Area did you kill his mic? Bay. Oh, that's okay. So, BayAreaLoanSource.com. And also from the Real Estate Report with Tony Minday. You can hear it tonight. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't look for in life is a catalyst. Do you remember the first time you put like sodium peroxide together with? something and it like started bubbling and you're like cool i i don't remember that you don't okay although our senior prank was sodium wrapped with wax and they threw it in the toilets and blew them up okay and they flushed them something like that we were a little more creative than that um senior prank day yeah so looking for a catalyst and one of the catalysts that you and I have as a friendship is trust. And I, I know that when push comes to shove, you'll be loyal and there'll be trust. And that's important to me. But looking for a catalyst in real estate is super important. Looking for a catalyst in a relationship. And what's funny about that is, as I've gotten older, I just the catalyst that I want is someone who calms me down. Like when I get home, I just want it to be home. I want to be relaxed. I want to be loved. It's not the catalyst of, of sexiness. It's not the catalyst of, like, uh, with Cindy, the first wife. Um, there was the catalyst that she was great looking. She can cook. She loved the city. There was, like, and now I'm just like, I just want to be home. I want to feel like I'm at home. It's the most important thing in my life. 
Now, when it comes to real estate, you're looking for a different kind of, kind of catalyst. Uh, maybe you remember um, Amanda, one of my friends? She had a house where the metro in Washington, D.C., they call it the metro. The metro is going to be making a stop right next to her a house. And that increased the house value from probably 250000 300000 350000 I mean, that's a pretty big push, right? It is. I, I actually think one of the catalysts of buying a home is to feel like you're at home. Um, not a lot of people like living in an apartment or renting a home. Um, although a lot of people in the Bay Area are very successful at doing that. It's a very large percentage here in uh, of renters. Uh, you were talking about Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's got a massive rental market. Um, six, almost 60% of the people there rent. Um, it's pretty large. And we're seeing places like the Bay Area turn into places like Santa Barbara where uh, it's actually cheaper and more affordable for people to rent. And, like- uh, and, and they, they do get that home feeling. Uh, but other cattle, uh, you're talking about amenities. You're talking about, you know, buy where the best schools are, buy where the, the best work is and the, the, the best hospitals and jobs and so on. Uh, and the Bay Area has a lot of that uh, almost anywhere that you go. Um, it's one of the reasons why home prices here in the Bay Area continue to go up while, uh, you know, some parts of the rest of the nation are struggling. That's interesting. Like um, a shopping center in Raleigh, North Carolina or Tahoe would bring in a lot of taxes, and it would help keep everyone's taxes low. But in the Bay Area, you just feel like they're going to they're going to charge you more tax. Like it's every two years, let's let's vote on another parcel tax or let's vote on another tax. Like some of the catalysts that should be universal, and they're not. So just throwing that out there. So <clears throat> so you're looking for development. You're looking for road improvement. You're looking for hospitals, and it could be an old one or a new one. Um, but. San Francisco every now and then, you know, you get like a Zuckerberg who throws his name on a hospital. That's going to help that community. And when I say community, though, like the two miles around it for years and years and years to come. So let's, you and I, let's, we're going to open a French baguette coffee espresso place. And we decide, well, people are going to bring their kids with cancer and they're going to need a place to have coffee as they talk about their life and how it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. And we'll make money. So from that so you have to look for these these catalysts so anyway um do you remember my friend gabriel gabriel um i always throw that one in my head briefly briefly for years and years and years um she was looking for a home looking for a home looking for a home and looking for a guy so i knew her from like probably 25 to 35 pretty well and during that period of time she was getting more and more frustrated like i'm never gonna find a guy I think she, I think she probably experimented with just flat out giving up and and growing a unibrow um, and just not caring. And she wanted to buy a house, wanted to buy a house, wanted to buy a house, and she never did, never did, never did, never did. And you know what she finally did? Um, she bought a, a, a condo, yep. and three years later, it's worth a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand more. So she sells down and she buys the freaking fragment house that she wanted. Moral of that story? Well, the, there's no love in the Bay Area. <laughs> or there's no men, single men with houses, <clears throat> okay. which she could have easily just kind of. Well, I don't want to brag, but I'm, <laughs> I got a house. The um, suddenly I'm feeling uh, inadequate because the next thing that was coming out of my house was it's the smallest one. <laughs> like <laughs> on my street, it's the smallest house. Um, there's no small here. It's it's all about location. So I took out all the bushes at my house so it looks bigger. Yeah, sometimes you have to do that. Stop and think about that for just a second. And if you don't get that joke, I understand the joke. Okay. I do now. Um, I guess you have to visualize it first. 
You had those um, trimmers. <laughs> the trimmers. You had the trimmers out. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, what your friend Gabriel did yeah. was look, basically got a starter home. Um, right. Which I no, guess you were no talking about wants. a moral of the story. Well, yeah. It's not that nobody wants. But everybody wants that now. Right. Uh, it's just hard to find. Uh, where is that condo? Where's that townhouse that is affordable? They're not building new affordable townhouses or condos. They're building luxury townhouses and condos. And a lot of them aren't in the areas that people want to be. So the ones that are existing are hard to get, and they are selling for top dollar. Uh, But I still think that we have room to grow in the Bay Area, especially as the single-family real estate market is... It's not drying up, but it's... No general managers in the office. Tell them to go. Tell them I'm doing a show here. He's distracting me. Back to you. (laughs) I'm a little nervous now that I have a general manager looking over my shoulder. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> it's the funniest thing in radio. It's there's an intimate. It's, it's an intimate format, and like I'm talking to you, but I'm also looking at a producer. And people walk into the producer's office like, "Hey, how's your morning?" I'm like, "We're doing work here." It would be like walking into, I don't know, a business meeting, and just start chatting about your weekend. Okay. Bottom line, she did a good thing by getting that starter home. Yeah. Um, a lot of people worry about the lack of affordable housing. Uh, I was just reading an article the other day about uh, California real estate developer said that I think the only way we're going to get back to affordable levels and or have uh, California be able to afford uh, affordable ho- or to build affordable housing is to have some more income. And one of the ways they could do that is uh, repeal Prop 13. Yeah, uh, very interesting article. That's something that I might talk about tonight. But how would that get more income? It would raise property values. Okay, and or ta- the assessed values of properties, and and it would basically that person who's been in the house for twenty years, paying two thousand dollars a year, would that go up to eight thousand dollars a year across the board in all of California? That's a lot of money yeah. sitting on the table, and you know, uh, with with you know other all of California who's over seventy years old just basically turned turned off the radio show, yeah, soiled their diapers, sure. Um, it's not probably it's I paid my taxes. <laughs> it's not likely going to happen. Tootin'. Um, but it is, it is, uh, it, you know, with all the other options being exhausted, Rob, um, they're going to start looking in these directions. Yeah. That'd be great. As a guy who benefits from prop 13, I'd love to, I'd love to see it repealed. It's not going to happen. I had a client last night say, well, I, I'm, I need to help my mother qualify for this house. Yeah. She's a non-occupant, but as soon as you're added to the title, Unless there's a parent to child transfer, uh, there's a chance that her tax base will go up. She's 85. She's paying like thousand dollars a year in, in property taxes. So they're always looking for ways to get that step up in basis. Um, and Prop 13 is the only thing standing in its way. Hmm. I can't imagine. I just I, I'm sitting here trying to imagine because trust me, when I talk about how much I hate Prop 13, I'll get two emails today. Um, and one of them, one guy who really hates me when I talk Prop 13. He goes to Alaska every year and does the Iditarod. I'm like, you're a monster. How dare you like chain dogs up to a sled? Like, I don't really care that much. But the fact that he gets fired up over Prop 13, I just if I want to be up, fired up too. If it comes up to a vote, there's going to be a lot of renters that are going to start figuring out the math that this might help home prices, and they might go to the ballots and vote. I'd be would, a little bit nervous if it does come up. As it a would put topic. a lot of properties on on the market. It, it would. Huh. Who wrote that article? Or where was? Where did you um, find it? I sent it to you. Actually, you, I, you have it in your email. I know I, that was an email from yesterday, so I don't have it right now because I'm at work. 
work, 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 work. Mm. Oh, it was in Mercury. It was in the San Jose Mercury News. Okay. So, I like to read that. <clears throat> You've got mail. So, anything else in the world of real estate? Uh, interesting. Repealing Prop 13. Was, kinda, you brought something to the table, though. It was kind of nice. Oh, you know what I was going to ask you about? The whole five-year, seven-year? Yeah. For someone like me, if I'm looking at like a property to live in for five or seven years, but not retire in, why not do that? That's a really good question. Why does everyone do 30 years? If, do you just feel better? Is, is it psychology? It is. A lot of it's psychology. A lot of people were jaded from what happened during the mortgage meltdown, and they they associated that with arms and okay. the risks tied to that. When in reality, if you have a seven-year fix, you're guaranteed that's fixed for seven years. And yeah. if you're going to move, why would you have a higher interest rate? I was noticing that yesterday when I was looking. Yeah. The, the seven-year, the rates aren't that much better. They are, actually. I didn't Especially not, if you, you get know, I told you I was territory. getting some crap information. Yeah, that's, that was some crappy information. It was, it was slowing me down. So that's why you need a, a mortgage lender like Tony Mendez. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLandSource.com. That's BayAreaLandSource.com. You can hear his show. He does a real estate show here tonight, 6 to 7, on W... KDOW. KDOW. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I see a lot of people in poverty for essentially two or three reasons. Number one is some sort of physical disability. That they have earned income, they're living a good life, and then they can't go to work anymore. That's one area that I see a lot of poverty develop out of. Another area that I see a lot of poverty develop out of is typically tied towards loss of a job and the assumption that I can get it back soon. Uh, I have someone in my family that has basically been unemployed for four years. Realistically, two. But he was also in kind of a sales-based position where nothing was closing even though he was working. So it's been kind of four years. And... I look at that now as if I'm going to be an employer, I'm going to run someone's credit check. I'm going to see they haven't made money in four years. I'm going to say something's wrong with this person. Um, they're damaged goods. And I don't think that's a good thing in this economy. And the last reason I see people um, ultimately get into trouble financially is real estate. Uh, I see a lot of it. I see a lot of people looking at, you know, TLC um, and, you know, the flipping angles. Remember, it wasn't that long ago when Donald Trump would do with the real estate expo, and he wasn't at the, he wasn't there. He would just show up on a video screen. Hello, everybody. I'm Donald Trump, and that's the worst Donald Trump impression ever. But I, I any sort of real estate investment thing that you have to go to a hotel, and there's a video of the people and not the real people, or like Robert like Robert Kiyosaki, perfect, or Tony Robbins. Um, it, it bugs me that they can't actually show up themselves, and it tells me that what they're doing is really selling to the lowest common denominator. Um, so be very, very, very cautious. Real estate will get a lot of people in trouble, uh, especially because they don't prepare. It's like their biggest shot. I remember doing a seminar not, not that long ago, Tony, where two people in the front row, it felt like they were on crack. Hmm. Um I mean, it, they might have been 15 minutes removed from crack, like they're missing teeth and stuff. And they're like, we want to buy real estate. We want to get rich. I'm like, you came to the wrong place. Let's go to Paul in San Jose. Paul, how are you? 
I'm doing good, Rob. How are you, Tony and Rob? Good morning. Uh, question I have is, uh, with all-time highs going on right now, a little worried about the markets. Um, we're pulling off some gains on our, uh, some of our investments. But in terms of, I know you've talked about safe money, and uh, what is the what's the actual? Um, is there a formula for we'd be saving per month in terms of our uh, NC fund as well as just uh, for retirement? So I mean, we're we're fully funding our Roth and 401k, and ideally we'd like to have our paid off by 62. Uh, which is in about 25 years or so. So, yeah. Sounds like you're doing great on one level. The sad secondary level is that this is a damn expensive place to live. So if, I would bet you're doing great if you retired in Texas. But around here, $200,000 doesn't get you very far. Um, or it could, but not necessarily. Uh, did you want to take any shot at what he said, Tony, before I, I pull up some thoughts on it? One of the things I look at all the time as far if if real estate is one of the angles here, uh, I, he didn't mention whether or not he's trimming off any real estate, but um, if he already owns real estate, he's he's, 30, he's not. He's he's 37. Um, I'm assuming it's 25 minus 62. And that, that's, that is still within what I would consider the right age to allow a property to grow and, and benefit from that in the in retirement. Whether it's a primary residence or a, an investment property, um, I would definitely look at um, not sacrificing and you know robbing Peter pay Paul. No, <laughs> Paul, I know that was your name, but um, uh, to buy real estate and then sacrifice your retirement. Um, you know, this is a retirement show, and of course, and you know, and I think most people listening understand your views on on what you would do first. In this case, the four hundred and one k IRAs and and Ross. So not robbing Peter and pay Paul. I think that would be the first thing that I would say to, to Paul. And to give you some more, you know, basic, simple thoughts based on your income and everything else, uh, 10 to 20 times your income by the time you retire is where you should be. I think in your twenties, you should be saving at least 10% of your gross income, have at least three months of expenses set aside in your thirties. You should be saving at least 12 and a half percent of your gross income three to six months of expenses uh, set aside. In your 40s, 15% of your gross income, 6 to 12 months of expenses set aside. In your scenario, it sounds like you might be on the younger side of having a family. Um, So when you turn 50s and 60s, you should be saving more. In your 50s, you're talking about saving 20% of your gross income, 12 to 24 months of expenses. You're now starting to get to that point where you want that three to four years of income, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, to be a draw. Market doesn't go down three or four years in a row. Um, I'm a little concerned because you roughly are 37 years old and you're saying the market's a little, little top heavy, get out of the business of, of guessing when things hit a top or a bottom. It's just not worth it. Um, healthcare stocks have massively underperformed in the last 24 months. I bought some healthcare stocks recently, maybe a healthcare index, maybe a healthcare fund. It's a little work of revised for taking the action. I on the show. Um, but there's always value out there and there's always things like if you think we're in a higher interest rate environment, banks have a long way to run. Um, so I'm with you on trimming some of your winners. I'm okay with that concept, but not across the board of let's get out of the market or let's think we're, you know, hitting all time highs. You have a president that likes deregulation. Things can go a lot further. You don't even have to get legislation through. You just deregulate it. 
and you don't enforce the laws, companies will merge. So in your 60s, if you do everything that I said as far as saving 10% of your income in your 20s, 20% of your income in your 50s, you should stop saving money. You should be where you need to be. But 10 to 20 times your income. And then you also start thinking into effect uh, longevity. You want to start thinking of long-term care sometimes in your 50s, um, especially if one of your parents needed it. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.